You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Kelly Loudermilk, who's a talent innovator with Build HR. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing so great. How's the weather in Colorado? Snowy. <laughs> As Same of today, with Utah. we got about four inches of snow or so, so it's been nice and cozy inside. <laughs> No, I, I get it. We're, we're in Utah. And again, I feel like Colorado and Utah are like those sister States. So similar in so many ways like that. So anyways, it's great to have you on the show today. Super excited to dive in and, and talk with you a little bit more about this topic. I know you have been an awesome member of our HR Mavericks community since, you know, we started really just a couple months ago and, and really you joined quickly shortly thereafter and have been an awesome awesome uh, contributor there. So really appreciate that and uh, wanted to highlight you on this episode and kind of pick your brain on this topic. So thank you for being on. Yeah, absolutely. I am one of those people that will talk forever about HR stuff because I like to say I'm a total HR nerd because it just, there's so much to it. So I love it. Cool. Well, tell us a little bit more about your company, Build HR, and what a quote unquote talent innovator does. So a talent innovator is someone who does more than just HR people ops. They're not really separated and people feel like they are because there's this idea of old versus new. And so I coined my own title per se Mm -hmm. uh, to capture all of the above and really just say that I like to change the way people work with their people and create something that's good for everyone, because that's what technically HR does. It's just something that has been switched on the narrative and we're trying to change that narrative back. Um, So a talent innovator is just someone who works with people to help them change the way they work with their people in a way that makes everybody win. Mm -hmm. And um, Build HR is my my consulting business and I work with small businesses and um, who either have a department of one or have no HR person. And it's like an office admin or even the owner doing HR. And I basically am their outsourced HR department for anything and everything that they need. Um, and it's very much, um, folded together. It's not like a normal outsourcing kind of scenario. I really try to just give you what you need and when you need it, because not everyone needs full support all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't like doing a catch-all because that's definitely not what HR is sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're smaller. So um, that's what my company does. I really try to facilitate resources and um, provide you know, any type of support I can for those folks who either don't have HR at all or have someone doing an ad hoc or just a department of one that's feeling really overwhelmed and needs more support. Yeah, I love it. I can definitely see how valuable that is. There's so many local small businesses out there that that are exactly like what you described that need that HR support because they don't have anyone yet or they are growing and they need someone else to kind of help and support them. So I can see how valuable that could be for people. So, um, so one of the first questions I really like to ask everyone before we really get into the topic is why did you decide to, uh, dive into a career in HR and what's really kept you there? 
So I actually fell into HR by accident. And a lot of folks who have been in HR for a long time tend to say something similar. Uh, But it was a presentation that I made at a local Rotary Club for um, while I was in an internship at another large corporation. And I got approached by one of the owners to ask if I could help them facilitate a lot of stuff around the presentation in their own business. And so it ended up catapulting me in that direction of HR, where all I've ever done in my career is truly start HR departments from the ground up and scale companies, you know, two to three times X their sizes. That sounds impressive, right? But it is primarily smaller organizations that I do that with. So like a 25 person to like a 75 or to 125, that's, that tends to be my my sweet spot mm-hmm. uh, with larger fortune 500 companies i've always just been a consultant and done projects for them versus actually like being a part of their organization uh, so i tend to help navigate some of those trickier situations with them because i do a lot of design thinking um experience and design and and within the people operations space so that's kind of where i've you know excelled and enjoyed the most that has kept me there um seeing my career start out as the very traditional functional HR and going to where I am now and trying to redefine an entire professional uh, industry is something that has kept me going and something that I think will hopefully keep me going uh, when I, you know, have those slip-ups or those days that just don't seem to always be the best. So um, that's kind of my my little journey. (laughs) No, I love it. I think that's great. It's true. So many HR professionals, just kind of fell into it. And then maybe that's a trend that we can, we can change. So more people realize how awesome of a profession it is and can choose it from the very beginning, you know, when they're, when they're coming into it. So it is a newer trend that is emerging. I have seen that. So, you know, fingers crossed. (laughs) That's right. Well, last question I have for you before we really jump in looking through your impressive background on LinkedIn, there's one question that I just have to ask you. And that's, you mentioned on LinkedIn that you were the mouse and greeter at Chuck E. Cheese. And I want to know what your biggest learning from that, that first job was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The walk-in is always a lifesaver. No. uh, (laughs) So I learned that um, people, I learned the reality that some people can have no matter how good you are at your job. And what I mean is, is that People could be lashing out at you and um, because a lot of older kids at Chuck E. Cheese don't like the mouse Mm -hmm. and they'll do things to prank the mouse. Uh, And so you realize that people will always be people and it's not about how you can control the situation. It's about how you control your response to the situation. And I think that's really what came out of that is especially at such a young age, it's like I can't lash out at these kids for like trying to hit me with like saying pinata, obviously, but I can say like, Hey, maybe it's time for Jackie to go take a break or something, you know, yeah. and, and go into the walk-in and take off that really gross head. Um, I had plenty <laughs> of bandanas to, to save my life, but um, it was a lot of fun. And if I could, I would be a professional like Disney character, but I don't have the patience or the capacity to do that. So <laughs> I love my, it. My one moment of stardom, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a, that's like a very awesome, well thought out professional takeaway from that job. I was thinking you were just going to say something like, 
you know, the costume is, is uncomfortable to wear or something like that, but you had some great takeaway there. So awesome. Well, Hey Kelly, let's jump into this topic today. So of course, being the talent innovator that you are, as we discussed, what do we talk about today on this podcast? You kind of mentioned some of, some of the trends to watch for with regards to HR in 2022. So I know you work with so many small businesses and have worked you know, across so many different industries and everything else. And so as being that talent innovator on the forefront, you're often probably looking at these trends and how they're changing in this world of HR, because you have that viewpoint across all these different companies. And so as we really jump into this, I'm excited to kind of pick your brain on that topic. And so to kind of get us started, um, you know, with it being the new year, January, people are are thinking about trends, what to watch for, everything else. Tell us about what the key trend you believe uh, is in the world of HR that we're going to see this year. This year is going to really turn everything we know about people in HR on its head. That's really what I'm starting to see come to a, like start to come to a turning point or to a head. Um, I'm not sure if everyone in HR knows, but they have probably heard, you know, everyone talks about the great resignation kind of situation happening, but out of that has become this anti-work movement that has really gained traction on social media platforms. Uh, Reddit is probably the largest one. Uh, And if, for those who don't do Reddit, um, it's kind of seen as the front page of the internet where most things are gathered or uh, clustered from other parts of the internet. And you can just kind of base it on topics of interest and anti-work has become so viral that it's had national news coverage over not only the topic, but the types of things they're talking about. And we see things like videos on Instagram, or I guess the newer one is TikTok of people quitting their jobs. So there's beyond just this great resignation or this um, concern about employees not working, or we don't have enough people working. There's this movement that is starting to gain traction around anti-work and the whole goal of that platform and if you really read their like posts which are always entertaining um is really just trying to redefine the relationship between employer and employee and what that looks like to be more beneficial for both ideally they're targeting themselves as employees or former employees because there is such a skewed part of the relationship now to where it's always been about the employer but this conversation that's happening is creating a new conversation to make it where we need to start skewing these towards the employees so there's a rebalancing act and change this entire relationship for the better. And I think COVID on top of like this recession, on top of inflation, on top of people just getting fed up with stuff and things happening so much, um, it all has boiled up to lead to this particular point in time where these movements were born and they're trying to make a change for the better. And by, and research has even shown that when employees have done well or have betterment in their lives, it's better for the business as well. So it's really that win-win scenario. If the employees can get what they want, that is obviously reasonable. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't just take somebody from $15 an hour to 30 if a business owner literally cannot afford more than, you know, X, Y, and Z, but there's a middle ground that everyone can come to that, is capable of coming to, um, whether that is a small business or a large business. And it's just figuring out what that middle ground is. But that is 
the the trend this year is that the relationship between yeah. the employer and the employee is going to change and it's going to change drastically. It's going to change across the board in some way, shape or form. And we're going to see that happen this year. Yeah. So fascinating. I, 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 definitely can see that being the case. I think we've seen like the precursor to that all through these last few years, especially with COVID. So I guess like my, my next kind of follow-up question for that is, you know, why is this a trend now? I mean, you talked about COVID. I'm talking really more about what is it specifically that um, a lot of people who are really strong in this anti-work movement are wanting to change. Is it the fact that they've had such horrible relationships with other employers in the past and they want to change that as a trend? And, and what does that look like? Does it always mean more pay or does it mean something else? So I think the biggest thing, if you really look at all the posts in some way, shape or form, they all have a common theme, in my personal opinion. Um, And it's really just about respect for your fellow human being. That's how basic it gets. And Mm. some of that can equate to pay of actually having a livable wage. Some of it equates to just recognizing, you know, burnout when you see it and allowing for time. Some of it is just truly being respectful of that person and not subjecting them to things that no other person should really be subjected to, such as proper ventilation in an area that's needing ventilation or proper just safety things that are just you would think are common sense and technically required by law, but yet they're not getting that. And it's causing, you know, national news coverage or along those lines. So there's just this huge just disconnect between the upper class kind of middle, you know, scenario. This is not necessarily my words per se. These are kind of what I've gathered from mm-hmm. the, like the posts and kind of what they're drawing from it. But there's basically showcasing that there's a disconnect between this upper really business oriented class, like the major corporate corporations and everyone else, because they're saying that we have no workers, we're reporting record profits, right? But, and they're giving raises to their CEOs that are millions of dollars, but we can't afford to give you a $3 increase. That's not okay. Like that's Mm -hmm. not, you make maybe like minimum wage federally, or if you're lucky to live in a state that has a minimum wage that helps to afford cost of living, um, you know, a couple dollars more, they can't justify that, but they can justify like $2 million bonuses for a recent, you know, record profit. And so it's just, I think that that has come to a head because of COVID and because of a continuing increase in cost of living Mm -hmm. and just this overarching need to make lots of money, that capitalist mind that we have. And that's great. We want everyone to succeed, but it's gotten so drastically separated Mm -hmm. in the view of this movement. At least that's what I have gathered that they feel is what it looks like that that's why they're speaking out. They're like, we're done with this. We can't do this. You cannot treat another person this way. You cannot walk the walk and talk the talk um, without doing both together. So an example would be for a manager, right? Um, One of the posts shared about a manager telling an employee that had a question for them while the manager was out on PTO. They apparently texted back in all caps saying, respect my time when I'm out of the office. Don't text 
company. Well, the manager, when they were back in the office and the employee was out on PTO, this was a professional employee, not an hourly employee. Um, the manager was texting that individual and asking them to do some work while they were on PTO. But yet they wanted respect on their PTO, but they don't respect their employees PTO. So if you're going to talk that talk and set that example, then you need to walk that walk and do that with your employees. And that's a really easy alignment adjustment that HR can make with managers. That is a low hanging fruit to create at least some sort of change in some of those types of things that may be occurring at their, their companies. Um, so it's just, it's one of those things where everything has been coming to a head, like the housing bubble, all that kind of stuff. Like everything came to a head for that to pop. That's yeah. what's happening here. The employment bubble is about to pop in the sense that everything has been building up between everything increasing. Wages haven't been increasing at the same time as everything else. It's been stagnant. It's actually less than it was in like mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s as a federal minimum wage. Like that's really scary. And everything has tripled or quadrupled in pricing. Um, and so everything's coming up to this bubble. COVID is just one of those things that exasperated that bubble even more. And now it's about to pop in the sense that like unions are starting to become more popular because they fight for employees' rights. More news is available and more information is available for people to find about how much people are supposed to be making or how much other peers may be making or even just how to be treated in the workplace. And so all these things are coming in here. And this, I think this is going to be that year that that's going to pop and why I believe that relationship will change that was a yeah. really long-winded answer for you no. as to like what led to it and why i think they're trying to showcase but i really think their message is just honest respect of like what that could look like for them and yes part of it is pay i do believe that absolutely i mean who doesn't want to make a livable wage mm-hmm. um but i also think some of that is just general respect in in treating your fellow human beings as they deserve to be treated um, which yeah. is the platinum role in, in life essentially no I love this I, I could talk about this topic all day it's actually <laughs> one that I've done I've done a lot of research into actually myself um we, you know with our company Eddie as we we're kind of um trying to figure out you know what this what's changing and evolving in this space also so one of the things that I think is really interesting and I know I've talked about this on previous episodes that we've done for listeners who may have heard this before but I really love the analogy of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, that pyramid applied to business and employees. And when you think about, if you've ever seen any graphics like that, again, Maslow's pyramid hierarchy of needs at the very bottom are really just those physiological needs, right? That's that's what it, you got to have a place to live. And, and so when you apply that to workers, to employees, you know, the stuff that's on that base level is, are they making enough money to to eat? to eat and care for their basic needs. Right. And then, you know, closely one layer up is, do they have a safe work environment? Next one up is like safety. Do they have a work environment that is actually safe for them to work in? Do they have, you know, as you keep going up that pyramid, then you graduate to, do they have a good manager who can help them and coach them and respect them as a person? Do they have the tools and training needed to get the job done? And then as you continue going up, is there a culture at the company that they want to be a part of? Mm-hmm. Is it, do they feel a sense of belonging? Do they feel value? you? Do, do they feel like their values align with the values of the company, right? All the way up. And so I think the biggest takeaway for, for me in, 
using that analogy is you can't just skip everything at the bottom of the pyramid and jump to the top. You yeah. can't just provide recognition or perks that for people and think that it's going to cover everything else below that's still broken. Right. And so for me, I, I love this topic because I, I think you're absolutely right. It is coming to a head, but it's really about a holistic well-being for employees. It's about improving the employee experience and making it better for them. And, and guess what? There's tons of research out there that backs up that when you can do that well, when you can create an excellent employee experience, that it actually makes an impact on your bottom line. It makes your company more money. Employees are more productive, right? They're more happy. They're more satisfied. Like there's so many positive impacts. I think specifically, you know, you and I, we often work with small business customers and um, often these small local businesses, they, they, they have a single or solo HR person, or they're hiring someone like you to help them. And they're, they're just not thinking about this completely holistically in this way. And so I think that that's one of the interesting takeaways for me as we think about this and how we especially apply this to our small business audience listeners out there right now that this is a trend that's happening. And it's something that's big companies have probably talked about and thought about for a long time, but mm -hmm. now we're moving into a stage, especially this next year where small businesses are going to be forced if they haven't already to really think about this holistic employee experience and improving it. They've already have. I mean, you see a lot of um, news articles or even just, you know, feel good viral posts. Again, you know, the media does control the narrative essentially, you know, but there are a lot of good things that are coming out of this movement. Some people on this anti-work forum, especially on Reddit, there are fellow business owners, their managers, they're seeing that and they even are applying those changes themselves or they're seeing like, oh my gosh, you know, a good example that I love. Okay. So when like, my husband tells me I need to do something, right? Like I'm, you know, the new, the let's use new year's revolutions. We always say like lose weight. Right. So like mm -hmm. if your husband tells you something or tells me something that I could do to help me lose weight, I don't really hold it as a high of a value than like a doctor telling me. Right. And that's just our brain working against us in the sense that we expect certain people who are experts or authoritative in their area. And we take their word as like their word versus mm -hmm. somebody could tell you the exact same thing, but because mm -hmm. they don't hold that authority, it doesn't hold the same value. That's what's happening with this particular Reddit form. They're seeing it with people who have these experiences and these stories that are actually like making it real for them to where it's not necessarily an expert telling them, but the people that they're working with or like their direct reports. And they're seeing these stories and they're thinking, I have to make a change if I want to change. There are mm -hmm. ice cream shops in Florida that came out on the news. They made it $15 an hour pay for them. And business was booming. They would, they had people around the block to sign up. Gravity payments is one of the largest case studies that you could look at, honestly, out of, I believe it's Washington. Um, when it comes to this type of thing, you know, really having this Maslow hierarchy of needs taken care of because, you know, Dan, the CEO, he basically made it where minimum wage for them was $70,000. 
granted, they're all professional jobs. And so it's very easy to justify that. And they're able to make things and decisions together. And he's very transparent on social media about these types of beliefs. But he's got a point. You know, they were struggling. They had to make cuts. And instead of actually laying people off during the COVID time, they had to come together meeting to discuss what's best for everyone. And everyone was willing to take a small pay cut and nobody lost their job. Like he Mm. thought outside of the box as a CEO of a major company to do something that would be unheard of in more traditional settings. And small businesses can learn from things like that. You don't have to be a major corporation to make innovations in how you work with your people. You don't have to be the Google or the Facebook and they're not the greatest employers known right now, right? Like Mm -hmm. they have their own situations they're encountering, but you don't have to be that to do something special for your small business or to make it somewhere where people want to work and feel respected and create that experience in a way that speaks to them. Because another thing that I hope more people will realize is that we don't work to like, we don't live to work and that's a reality we have. And people need to understand that. And I feel like a lot of traditional managers, um, that's not what they grew up with. That was what we were conditioned to believe. We work to, you know, we live to work. But the reality is, is that in with today's world, we're only working to to live. And for some of us, it's at the fundamental levels of living, of having food or having shelter or just even trying to make something happen for yourself to, to not be um, on a situation that's even more devastating than not having food or shelter. So it's one of those things that I think even HR in a small business needs to understand uh, that they're not, we don't want to necessarily work for a living, but we, we have to. And recognizing that, that it's not, you can't have somebody who's going to be so loyal and so into it for something that may not call, be a calling, you know, or yeah. be like a professional doctor or something where people have very driven missions. Like granted, you want somebody who's going to be professional and understands their expectations, but you have to understand at the end of the day, all employment is, is a contract. It's just a contract between two individuals and small businesses understanding that I am paying this person with the expectation of X, Y, and Z to be completed. And the employee understanding I am expected to do X, Y, and Z, and I expect my payment on this date based on this contract. Then I think things are actually a lot smoother. I had that conversation in a recent interview for a customer care agent, like we want people who love customer care and who say there's nothing bad about customer care. But at the same time, I'm like, customers kind of suck sometimes. Right. Like, and they were okay with that. And I told her, I was like, you know, I don't ask why you're looking for a job because I don't care. Like you're probably looking for a job to make money because we all Mm -hmm. want money to live our lives. But at the end of the day, I also know that like, you're not going to be the most passionate person about what we do. We hope that you find purpose and how we work. And that aligns with your personal mission of how you like to impact the world. But at the same time, I also recognize that this is a job, that these are these expectations that we have for you when you're here. And if you meet those expectations, great. They're nothing more than a simple structure that is utilizing common sense and like things you would be expected to do in a job. But we don't ask you to do more than that because we're not paying you to do more than that. And a lot of small businesses expect people to be, like them 
bought in, believe in and everything. And like, that is their baby, but it's not their baby. And that's yeah. something that can really help a small business owner right away in reframing their mindset to know I need to set up a structure where I can create success for my folks as well as my business and understand what that structure looks like and how it's going to interact. And again, that goes back to that overarching trend, that mm -hmm. entire relationship between employee and employer, regardless of 15,000 employees or even two employees, that is going to shift this year in some way, shape or form as a large cohesive whole, like you said, across industries where the employee is going to have a larger say in their overall wellness uh, to ensure that businesses can actually stay in business yeah. and it won't impact our larger folks, but it will impact our smaller folks and they need to be ready for those conversations and open-minded to them. Yeah, that's great. And you've kind of already answered um, the next question I was going to really ask you, but bringing this back to, you know, most of our audience listening are small business HR people or even owners of small local businesses. What are the takeaways for those people as they're listening to this, they're noticing this trend that's probably happening in their businesses already that we just talked about, you know, what can they do? What, what do you recommend that they go and do? What are the takeaways for them? Honestly, I, I love creating this sense of a feedback loop because, and this can be hard for business owners. I've worked with a lot of business owners who it's hard to take criticism or feedback when you have put your life and your soul into something and it not be, you know, received as well as you think it is. Right. And, and that's okay. The, the first and foremost thing I think business owners need to take away from this is that you're only human. You can only do so much. So although you think that something is working successfully in a way that you perceive it, it may not be perceived the same on the other side of the fence. And so just having a meeting, a true space where folks can come forward, even if you need to make it an anonymous situation where they can come to like a Google form or a Microsoft form or something that's like a free software that you kind of have already access to um, for them to give their feedback. Cause some people may not give feedback in a smaller business situation due to fear of retaliation. And so having an anonymous form helps in that, but being open to that, sit with that. If you know, you can't take criticism in an open forum, don't allow for that because you are going to get defensive, um, make it where they write it or something anonymously again. So that way you can sit and think through it, like go with what you know you have, can do when you take mm -hmm feedback. It may be great feedback too, right? Like I'm not saying that there are business owners who are always just bad, but there could be feedback that's really amazing. That just only confirms what you're doing and your mission and how you're working. But there could also be really great ideas or even show potential for some folks to grow and be those champions that you're looking for. And so I think the biggest takeaway is to start with a conversation with your folks of, Hey, you know, like there's this big movement going on. We see this in the news. We see like people wanting to unionize. We see people wanting to do X, Y, and Z. They want to quit. Like, I know things are hard right now. Let's have a conversation together, a completely open conversation of what you all think of, you know, how things are going here. Are there any areas of improvement ideas? Um, and, and not talk like you as the owner, don't talk, don't say a mm -hmm. single word, just say, thank you. And then read through it or sit through it or sit and think about it. And, you know, let people know that, yeah, I want your ideas or your feedback, but know that I may not be able to make 
systematic changes immediately as a small business, right? Like mm-hmm. I want this information, but always tell them not only the why that you want this information, which you should be setting up when you kind of like tell them why we're, we're meeting for these meetings, but how you're going to use it or, you know, those expectations, because the worst thing you can do is collect information and never speak about it again or never bring it up again. Or like, it just disappears. That's the worst thing you can do because you'll never get feedback again. And people will always just hold that against you. So let them know like upfront, like I'm going to listen to everything you have to say, but just know that maybe not everything will be doable or perceivable for our business. But I definitely want you to come with the table because the you know more ideas we have, maybe that's something we can do in the future, but no, not everything may be implemented. So I think having that conversation first and foremost is big. Figure out the key trends that you're seeing. What is the most common thing that's you know, being repeated among multiple people? Is that something you can change right away? If so, absolutely change it. If not, have another conversation of as to why this is a reoccurring theme across multiple individuals and see, okay, with you in that conversation, actually participating, saying, I can't make this change happen immediately, but I'm seeing this change requested. What's the meaning behind this or why? Okay, well, let's, I can do something. Let's come and like figure out what that can be together and and create this back and forth conversation where there is more mutual understanding, more cohesiveness, more communication, more buy-in, honestly, because employees that have a say are bought into the business, then they're going to stay. And so that's another retention strategy strategy you can kind of play on uh, as a business owner. So key takeaway, start with conversation, narrow it down, make changes where you can. And if you can't tell them why and whether or not you'll even consider it in the future, because it's okay to say no to something. You don't have to say yes to everything, Uh, but just tell them that too, right? Because they want to know, but be prepared to answer as to why it's a no. It could be something against your personal beliefs or your physical, you know, your philosophy behind your business or whatever. But like, just be honest because people are more capable of taking feedback than you think. Um, but we just perceive so much and we assume so much and that's already devastating to that relationship. And it's getting those employers out of that traditional knowledge of how things are and coming to the table fully prepared to have a real conversation. I think that's awesome. the largest thing you can do. Awesome. I love it. I think those are great tips. So I'm hearing you say, listen, have the conversation, listen to your employees, and then together with them, create a better experience for them that will be better for your company also. So it's awesome. Well, Kelly, like I said, I could talk about this all day, but unfortunately we're like out of time, but this has been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you joining and sharing, you know, some of these experiences and some of these recommendations that you have for small businesses as they approach some of the changes that we're seeing in the world today especially impacting HR. So this has been awesome. And I really want to thank you for taking the time to to be with us today. As we kind of wrap up here, one of the last questions I like to ask all of our guests that's not related to um, necessarily our topic today, but it really is related to HR Mavericks is our our community. It's free community. Anyone can join. And, And our mission behind that is really to democratize HR knowledge for those people who need it most, which is often these small businesses who have those solo HR people or the accidental HR people who are office managers or these small business owners. And so what's one tip, what's one thing that you think our listeners can and should do this week to improve their HR or people functions? 
I love automans, you know, auto, like creating automations. So um, especially as an HR department of one, because this is something I specialize in, but look at everything you have right now at your disposal for tools. If you have a Google suite or a Microsoft suite, there's a lot of things you can automate utilizing the free resources that they provide in addition to your subscription already and create some of these automations where you're not spending your time there. So you can spend your time on these types of conversations. HRIS is if you can have them like Eddie or any other out there in the marketplace, if they're affordable and something that makes sense, then they're a great investment and return on your investment to spend time where you need to with your business. You cannot spend time on those details or repetitive tasks because you will never see the light of day. So automating where you can, whether you're the HR manager, the department of one, the admin, the owner, whatever, look at what you have now, inventory what you have now in all of your other areas or resources, figure out what you can automate or make certain changes to even with processes, and then spend that free time that you have in those strategies, conversations, or in those conversations with employees to better your business overall. I love that tip. It's one we talk about all the time. I think that um, often those solo HR teams of one get stuck on so much time spent on the administrative HR stuff. And I, ideally, again, you can automate that stuff as much as possible so you can spend more time on the strategic HR stuff, which is really the employee experience like we've talked about today, improving you know, the culture and everything else with employees. So I love that tip. I think that's great. So last question I have for you before we wrap up here uh, is what is the best way for listeners to get in contact with you if they have follow-up questions for you or if they want to learn more about your company? So my website is yourhrsource.com and it's truly that, your HR source. Um, LinkedIn is one of the best ways to get in contact with me because I am pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, so I, you can find me with my name since it is so unique. I love Kelly Laddermilk. You can usually find me pretty quickly in that regard. But all of my contact information is also on my website. Um, and I'm pretty open to, like I said, discussing these types of things all the time. And it can be a lot of fun to dive into really dissecting, you know, even the neurobiological reasons for things that employees do. So it's always really fun and always open to connecting with folks on LinkedIn or just my website. Awesome. We will drop the link to your website and LinkedIn in the show notes. So you can find that there if you're interested in connecting with Kelly and Kelly, once again, thank you again so much for taking the time to be with us today and being a part of our HR Mavericks community. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.